Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome back, listeners, after a, a pretty prolonged break to the State of Recruiting, your Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach. I'm joined, as always, by Hudson Standish. Um, and it's been some time off. We took uh, a couple weeks off during the, the signing period, um, and some personal stuff struck, and, uh, and and we took even longer off. But uh, we wanted to get back and talk to you. This is, feels like a, a good week to do it with the dead period. Uh, lifting ahead of us. Before we get into all that, Hudson, how's it going? Doing good, Mike. Uh, excited to be back on the pod. Like you said, it had been you know quite a bit and big visitor weekend, kind of sneaky visitor weekend approaching. Um, so yeah, excited to be back on the pod. Yeah, um, one of those things that happened, and I, I feel like we would be remiss if we did not mention this on the podcast. I'm going to try to get through this without tears. Is um, any longtime listener? Uh, to this show is, uh, knows knew about my dog Winston, who would frequently interrupt our shows with uh, his his attempts to get my attention as soon as I sat down and started talking to somebody else other than him. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, we unexpectedly uh, lost him after a after a pretty quick medical uh, thing where he he had gotten pretty sick and then you know had a seizure and his heart stopped and. Um, you know, I didn't even I it was too hard to do something that week. And um, I didn't even think about like the connection to the show, but I tweeted something about it. And several people mentioned, you know, frequent guests of the show, Winston. So um, it, it's a little corny to give my dog a, a send off here. But I feel like uh, based on his involvement in the show and the amount of times that he ruined the experience for you, the listener, <laughs> um, we got to say something about him. So uh Gonna miss him. He he was my good boy, but uh, you know, a, a, a big part of the show is is no longer with us. Exactly, and you know, like you said, you posted it on Twitter, and just I had so many people even reaching out to me, being like, "Man, Winston was legitimately the third co-host." I would die laughing when the squeaky toys would start uh, going in the background, and Hudson would start rambling on, so Mike could uh, so Mike could um, you know go fetch him. So obviously, like. I, 
I do want to just say thanks to the fans of the show who like, it's tough when a dog passes because it is such a personal relationship and it's hard to kind of convey it, but I don't know, seeing everybody just with the kind words to Mike and everything, um, you know, it meant a lot to, to you and even to me, just because of, you know, the times that I'd come over, see Winston and everything. So I don't know. I, well, I, you were I his, him off. you were his play buddy. You were the yeah, one who could come over and throw the toy with him and, and you'd play the entire time you were here with him. He would go. Exactly. He, he loved you to death. So um, I'm sorry to see him go. It's just funny. Like um, for those, like when we're not on video, it's like, if you could see what's going on during a show where like, Winston was acting up and I'm just doing the like, you know, kind of keep going sign as I like throw down my headphones and run away. And Hudson's just got a filibuster. And you know what? Sometimes Hudson's animals do it. And he gives me exactly. The sign and, exactly. And, I, and I've got a filibuster. So um, it's just, it's just part of it. But uh, yeah, definitely going to miss him. Um, let's move forward. It's uh, we're kind of in the meat of it now. Like I, I feel like last time we talked, it was okay. Let's wrap up this twenty-three class. Let's see what's signed. Let's talk about everything, and, and you know we'll we'll delve into twenty-four when it's needed. But we're we're in it now. You've covered a junior day uh, since I think the last time we've recorded. Um, there's there's more visits upcoming, including some big ones this week. I thought we kind of start out Hudson by just let's go position by position and look at, at the probably, I guess, the strength of those groups, what they have on campus, you know, what they need, and where they're really standing out with guys. So, um, obviously, I think I think I can just sum up the quarterback one for us, right? Like, they... Yeah, they I mean, it's it, it's pretty simple. The, they got their guy in Trey Owens, like... Yeah, they, they signed Arch Manning, they got Trey Owens, like, they're, they're keeping the quarterback talent going. And I think we've talked about this, we talked about it when Trey Owens committed, but... Um, we just kind of feel like he's the type of take you need after getting a guy like Manning, where you were probably going to have some issues getting another, you know, five-star quarterback, but you get a guy with high upside and um, you know, the, the feedback I've heard from just about everybody who's encountered him from a coaching perspective, from like a camp perspective, or who's like seen him live in settings. They love him. They love the tools. They love the mindset, all that kind of thing. So um, AJ Millweek in, in, continues to uh to get a plus marks uh with with what he's doing and i guess one closing thing from me on trey you mentioned aj milwee it's just so smart to already kind of have the gears in motion so that owens commits extremely early on texas has a very vocal leader and then I saw uh, Owens semi-recently at a seven-on-seven tournament, and then more clips have been coming out from him at various events. He is improving quite a bit. We talk about the ceiling a lot, but just right now as a football player, and you'd agree too, Mike, because I think when we saw him at Cy Fair last year together, we were kind of talking about like, okay, this kid looks legit. Like he is an extremely good prospect. I would would not be shocked at all if – you know, Trey Owens finishes the 2024 cycle as a top 247 type of talent. And it, he's the type of guy, too, that's like, you think about it, and in the past, probably would have been a guy you wait to offer, and, you know, you get into the summer or something, and all of a sudden his stock has exploded, and, and he's a guy that's fielding huge offers. They went early on him, somewhat surprising to some people. It, it It's funny to say early on that when I think we spent most of last fall going, when are they going to ha- offer a 2024 quarterback? Um, sure. But, you, you know, they, they kind of, they, 
I'll say this for quarterback recruiting, Sark and, and Milwee seem to have a great plan every year of just, this is how we're going to attack it. These are the guys we like, um, you know, this is how we're going to go about it. Like if you think about it since they've been here, identified Malik Murphy from the moment they got here, won him over pretty early. Um, obviously the Arch Manning thing, that was the, the priority for them. Won him over, took longer than, than any of the others. And then turn around and get Trey Owens right after that. So um, excited to continue to see what they do there. I think uh, it, it, it sets you up for 24 too, because now you can spend all your time, or, or I'm sorry, on 25, um, 25 and 26 evaluating those kind of guys. For sure. Uh, running back position, another area where um, Texas is <laughs> – Uh, doing good work. Uh, I think what they've signed in the last couple of years, um, including if you look at last year, getting a guy like Cedric Baxter, who's already making some waves on campus. um, They've, they've got uh, a good crop of talent. They're going to have to replace those big names, John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, but they're, they're certainly assembling the type of talent to do it. Um, It sounds like, I mean, it feels like two backs are probably needed class right i think so i I absolutely think that's the case and yeah you talk about the talent that's on campus obviously with Bijan and roshan leaving it's going to be a big hole to fill but when you're replacing those guys with the number one running back in the nation cedric baxter who you know i know this isn't like a team uh podcast and team section but like mike everything we've heard on baxter has just been flying colors we know how good jonathan brooks is keelan robinson is a proven gadget type of player that has been really good for texas at times and then you know Jaden blue is in the room as well and they move savion red over who you know savion red found his way onto the field last year at wide receiver like it's it's one of those things where I view it – when Sark got hired, I viewed it as, okay, Texas is always going to be set at quarterback with Steve Sarkeesian at the helm. He just cares about it too much and has the track record. Like, they're always going to be set. I'm almost of the same opinion as, like, if Tashar Choice is on staff, you're going to be fantastic at running back. I I cannot give him enough flowers. Like, I legitimately – it feels like hyperbole at times because we talk so, you know, just rosy about Deshard Choice, but he's earned it. Yeah, he's he really has. And I, I wrote about this in the Stampede a couple of weeks ago, but I saw him recently at a uh, coaching clinic present, and he was incredible. I mean, just had the entire room buzzing. I mean, he's so uh, – like, he's so um, – into what he does, but he's also so authentic about it, right? Like it's not, you don't look at him and go, oh, he's putting on a show. He's got like, I, I described him as he was like part tit revival preacher, part stand-up comedian, like part <laughs> your your old uncle at the barbecue telling you stories. Like, cause he's that, he's not that old of a guy. Like I, I'm trying to think, I think he's about my age, he's late thirties or something. So, but he, you know, just the way he talks and the way he, he presents things is almost like your 50 year old uncle. Uh, at a barbecue and and what a perfect segue into just his relationship building with Jarrett Gibson the number one running back in the country who has a ton of crystal balls on Texas yeah I probably need to get mine in there um I yeah. uh, I mean uh, I, I wrote it in the huddle but we talked about it in December like yo Jarrett Gibson might be one of the first guys that we crystal ball and it was just a dragging your feet type of deal like we have known and have reported that he's been a Texas lean for such a long time and 
you know, credit to Steve Wiltfong for identifying kind of the same thing, firing in a crystal ball. And then, you know, I did a day later and I, I was going to call you, but I've just figured that you'd see it. And, you know, we've talked about it enough to where it's not even going to shock fans when we fire those in. So, yeah, yeah. like you, you follow up Cedric Baxter with potentially adding a Jarek Gibson type. I mean, it's it's stunning. And then whatever you do for the other running back take, I mean, you're high on the list for James Peoples out of San Antonio Vets Memorial. I know that Taylor Tatum from Longview loved the visit. And I think you had a, a couple other names of guys, too, where you're like, hey, I think that this could be somebody they look at for running back, too, as well. Yeah, Keatron Young from Lufkin's another guy I think they like. And it's important to note that, um, you know, when Choice talked about his style, they don't want to recruit – they don't have a one type of running back and let's recruit a bunch of guys that are in this type. They want to recruit complementary pieces, right? So they may want a little thunder to go with their lightning. I think Jared Gibson, 5'10", 200, is a different type of back the Kedron Young, 5'10", 220, more of a power guy. Um, but really what he looks for, and he talked about this a lot during his play presentation, is change of direction, um, and he finds that to be the most important skill of, of any athlete, uh, or, or of any running back, excuse me. Um, and and so I think when you look at the traits that those guys have, he lo- he would love to find, I think, a big bruiser who can also change direction and, and, and move laterally quickly. So Kedron Young's on that list. The name for me to watch um, that I've heard a ton of buzz about from that side is Christian Clark, who's a, a running yep. back from Mountain Point in Phoenix, Arizona. And it was described to me as like he's a Bijan White. Um, and I thought, well, I mean, you're just you're literally making that comparison because he's from Arizona or whatever. And you go watch his film, he's kind of a Bijan light. Like not as much, not quite as much juice, but when you talk about the change of direction skills and the ability of traffic and all that, um, that that's a guy that uh, I think they would be high and I think that's a guy to watch for, for that second spot as well. For sure. When you first brought him up to me and you were really kind of raving, went and watched him, really intriguing. And I think that's a name that maybe fans – um, aren't paying as much attention to that I think this is kind of when we try to hint you in the direction of like, hey, you know, keep an eye on this cat. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, as you saw last year, they're going to be fluid with what they do. I think they identify a top dog, right, like they, they did last year with with uh, with Cedric Baxter. Um, and then it's kind of like we'll see what kind of shakes out. We'll see what fits um, here at the second position last year, it was Trey Weisner. I think it could definitely change yep. over time. And um, I don't think we anybody saw that being the, the eventual second guy. And, um, you know, in this case, we'll, we'll kind of see what shakes out there. Let's move to the wide receiver position. Uh, I think a great job in, in 2023 bringing in guys like Jonte Cook, uh, Ryan Niblett, and uh, DeAndre Moore. Yep. Adding in AD Mitchell in the portal um, yeah. as a guy to help immediately. I think the receiver position got a shot in the arm. Um, and so, you know, hopefully you want to keep that going. And, and the good thing is, is, you know, the guy who you and I think is is arguably the number one player in the in the state is a receiver in Micah Hudson. Yep. And uh, Texas is doing a really good job in that recruitment. Obviously, Chris Jackson taking over for – uh, Brennan Marion was something where we were kind of waiting on the transition period to see, okay, how is he going to be received by these recruits, et cetera. I think that 
it's kind of just been seamless for Micah Hudson specifically. Like I think that Texas is in as good of a spot as anybody. And if I'm forecasting this towards the future, I kind of see it coming down to a Texas versus Texas A&M battle for one of the top, you know, players in the country. Yeah, I think that's a guy they're doing a really good job with. I think if you look at Parker Livingston, uh, kind of a big body outside receiver, that's another guy that I think they're in a really good spot with. I would say I'm pretty close to firing off a crystal ball there. And then you've got some other interesting names in the mix. You know, I don't think they're as high with a guy like Grant Wesco. I'd love to see them really improve their chances with him this spring because I just love his talent and ability so much. Um, a couple of your of, of your guys, Hudson, I, I guess both of our guys and Freddie DuBose, we're both big Freddie DuBose fans. And uh, is it, you, you put me onto this kid, but is it, is it Ja'Kyle? Is that how we're yeah, saying it? Ja'Kyle, Ja'Kyle Baker from Brownsboro. All last summer in early fall, I was like, hey, this kid from Brownsboro has some legitimate juice. And I believe we just made a four-star. Um, mm-hmm. Really awesome kid to talk to. Huge fan of his game. And I, I think that he's somebody that I, I think adds something different potentially to the Texas wide receiver room. I, I really like him uh, a lot. And you've got four options right there in DuBose, Hudson, Livingstone, and Baker, where they're in great spots, but it's almost like I'm almost, I'm waiting for the dominoes to start falling almost because I find it tough to believe that they'll land all four, but at the same time, you know, you never know exactly how these things shake out. So it's, it's intriguing. And, you know, they've got guys like Kobe young from new Orleans that they're high on the wide receiver is going to be one of the more interesting positions to follow, but it's, it almost uh, is like the 23 and 22 cycles, right? Where it all starts with landing your top guy on your board, which was John Tay cook last uh, cycle nailed that one. But then you go back to Evan Stewart who picks A&M in 22 it's just going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. Um, at the tight end position, you know, they swung for uh, Deuce Robinson. They're not going to get Deuce Robinson, who still hasn't made a decision, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, brought in two guys that they liked in, in, uh, in uh, their names are Spencer Shannon, Spencer Shannon, Shannon and Will, Will Randall. Randall. I kept wanting to say Will Matthews, and I'm like, no, that's the fullback from the uh, early 2000s. Uh, and now the sideline reporter, I believe, for yep. Longhorn Radio. Um, I kept wanting to say Matthews. I, that is a testament to literally, if they're not like a guy I'm really close with, as soon as that class ends, I just jettison information from my brain um, and start forgetting names. Um, tight end position, though, I think that this is the year – we really like Spencer Shannon's upside, right? But he For hasn't sure. shown a lot on the field. I don't and know that, you know that he's gonna be the inline guy. Right. I don't know that Will Randall has the upside we would love to see. This is the and year, coming off of a knee injury. Yeah. This is the year I think they've got to go find a legit okay, this is our next Jatavian Sanders type of guy. Exactly. And Mike, I wrote about it in the huddle, I think, uh last week, but it sets up too where Jatavian Sanders is getting a lot of day two draft buzz, even some late first round love. Like if Jatavian Sanders puts on another clinic, there's a chance that he, you know, pulls the Jermichael Finley red shirts and then has two stud years and goes to the league. Yeah. So it just makes it it just makes it that much more important. I think 
I, I struggle to find a guy right now. And I do think that fans should trust Jeff Banks to eventually get some impact dudes. Right. But I struggle to really find a guy that early on for tight end. And this is a position where you can evaluate way up until the last bit. I mean, we saw it with Camorian Pimpton last year, right. Where, mm-hmm. um, he just blows up his senior year. I know that you saw him at a camp before the senior year, but he goes from a guy that we're really excited that we have him ranked higher than all the other services as a high three star. And at the end of the day, I think he finished top 200 in the country. So it is a position where you can let guys grow into their senior year, but the guy, the player that I hope that Texas makes a serious run at is Carter Nelson from Ainsworth, Nebraska. And if you're think if you're thinking, oh, some just Nebraska tight end, well, Carter Nelson is six foot five, has a seven foot high jump. Recently made Andrew Ivins, the twenty four seven Sports director of recruiting uh, scouting's um, potential, you know, combine uh, list, which is you know a handful, like a dozen or so guys that he views as potential combine testing freaks. Nelson has a seven foot high jump and runs almost a sub eleven at six foot five, two hundred and fifteen pounds. That's the type of dude that you can you can plug in for Jatavian Sanders. I hope they make a uh, move with them. I know uh, Reiner Swanson from Laguna Beach is another guy that's potentially going to visit, and you know they have a ton of success recruiting uh, California. Yeah, that one just it, like Spencer Shannon from the moment they offered him last year, I was like, okay, this feels like it's probably going to happen. I kind of get the same vibes on Reiner Swanson. Me and him have talked, you know, once or twice. I, I don't know him as well, but, like, that's kind of the vibe I get. And then Elijah Lofton is a guy that um, sure. out of Bishop Gorman, a smaller prospect, probably more of your H-back type, but is a guy that is a serious, serious playmaker. He, he, the comp is, and, I mean, he it's probably because he also went to Gorman. He's a he's – a, uh, this is a bad night for me. Uh, I'm just losing it. Brevin Jordan, sorry. Yes. Brevin Jordan is the uh, is the easy comp for him. Um, the same type of uh, of guy. Man, my brain is just not firing tonight. Um, and, and that's a guy that visited really like Texas. I, I it was funny because I was talking to him about like just other stuff. I didn't really even we didn't have a. I don't think we had an offer on his profile at the time, so I didn't realize he had been offered. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I was at junior day," and I was like, "Really." Because uh, I wasn't there, uh, but he dominated that tournament. In fact, we didn't. Uh, Blair and Gulo and I covered the tournament. I don't think we ended up doing a top performers because it was Super Bowl Sunday, and we just didn't figure anybody was going to read top performers on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, <laughs> we we have both agreed that Elijah Lofton was the alpha dog of that tournament. Though. He was he was very good during it. So that's another guy I would say keep an eye on. Um, a guy that can can play that kind of detached uh h-bag type slot role and the other thing i'll say in regards to jeff banks is he's really good at getting them in these recruitments for these nationally high profile guys if you think of the years he's been here he had him in the race for jaleel skinner in 22 and he was in the race heavy for deuce robinson in 23 so I think the next step is winning one of those high-profile recruitments, but, I mean, you know at least he's got a track record of keeping them in those races for a long time. Uh, Let's do offensive line, um, and we'll just kind of quickly go through this because there's a lot of targets, and I feel like Kyle Flood has taken a lot of numbers the past couple of years. 
Um, I mean, what do we have seven and 23 and five and 20 yep. or seven and 22, five and 23. So that's 12 guys. I think this is probably a three to four man class based on that. Um, although I don't think that with this, with this team, you can have, you know, their, I think their philosophy is, can we have enough offensive line at this point? Yeah. And, and they almost, uh, not almost, they quite literally kind of threw shade at the previous regime of like, why wouldn't we took over at Texas where there are more wide receivers than offensive linemen on the roster. Like it should never be that. And so I, I love the stacking bodies approach. And when you look at breaking down an offensive line cycle, it's hard to just not, you know, just mention that Kyle flood kind of gets his guys. Yeah. The, the, the people that he evaluates and signs off on, he normally does get them to Texas one way or another. Yeah, there was some a little bit of luck with coaching changes in 22, but in 23, three out of the <clears throat> three out of the five guys were guys that Texas offered first, which rarely ever happens, especially at offensive line, which is a longer, you know, developmental curve position. You just gave me an idea for an article that I'm going to say on here and people are probably going to hold me to it when I don't do it. it like the Kyle Flood hit rate. Like how let's go look at the targets that Flood has that you could tell early on these were the primary targets and the hit rate cuz it's hot. Yeah, how many how many offensive linemen have taken an official visit to Texas during the Kyle Flood era and not committed? I I'd, I'd be I, I'm blanking on I, it's pro, like Ernest Green didn't. Yeah, that's um, th- that's you know, I, it's probably like four or five, I would say. Like, uh, the Jacob, Sex, Jacob Sexton didn't. That's a guy that pops out to me, but like, you're yeah, you're literally probably talking about four or five. So, yeah, man, um, let's just quickly go through some names, guys. I think they're in in a good position with Michael Uini from Copper's Cove, the, the massive offensive tackle. Uh, DeAndre Carter from Modern Days, another guy. Um, That'll be a national slugfest recruitment. Your yeah, boy Ori Williams at San Marcos. That's right. Uh, Bennett Warren from Fort Bend Christian. We've heard yeah ups and downs there. Some mixed things. Yeah, some some sources you talk to really think that he's going to end up at Texas, and then you know you talk to some other ones who are like, I'm not so sure. They waited quite a bit to hop in the mix, so it'll be interesting to see with Bennett Warren, and then. We can't close it out without mentioning Daniel Cruz, who I know you talking with sources all the way since last spring were like, hey, Daniel Cruz is going to be the guy for Texas at center. They love that kid. Yeah, definitely. And and they feel a true center, which they haven't. Um, I don't believe I'm, I try not to overspeak here. Um, I mean, I, I know they're they were OK. We can train Connor Robertson at center. We can do this. But they feel like Daniel Cruz is the first true center type they will sign at Texas, a guy that that is really made for the position. And when Kyle Flood offers a kid that maybe doesn't necessarily fit the, you know, big human oversimplification of evals, you know that this is a guy that he truly loves. Yeah, and that's Cruz for sure. So um, I, I that's one, you kind of mentioned it, I just tend really not to worry about like what what's the O line going to be? Because there were I mean there were years during like the Herb Hand era where it was like, well crap if he doesn't get this guy and he doesn't get this guy who is he going to sign? And like at this point it's only been two years, but I'm just like Kyle Flood will sign as many as he wants and he'll be pretty much you know he he may he's going to miss on a couple and he's going to get the rest of his board you know that's just yeah. how it's going to go. Which is I assume 
you know, as a Texas fan, you've just got to be doing a standing ovation in your car or living room, wherever you're listening to this, just being like, yes, I love hearing that the Tashard choices and Kyle floods are finally on our staff and they just ID their guys and get them. It's not a, well, we're going to have to go to our third option at this position. Like, no, it's just, you know, it's simple. And I do want to just mention some of the guys on campus too, before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, like, Jaden Chapman, um, Jaden Chapman, Connor Stroh, Andre Kojo, Peyton Kirkland. I think Goosby's the only one that's not an early enrollee because he was uh, playing basketball for Melissa. Those guys aren't going to play right away, so it's going to be easy to forget them. But I do think that this group does have a lot more long-term potential at Texas than maybe they were given credit for, especially – you know, guys like Kojo and Goosby have so much untapped potential. You know, Kojo enrolling at 16, Goosby gaining a ton of weight late and um, good weight, I should add, and re- retaining the athleticism. You know, Jaden Chapman was a guy that LSU and Alabama really wanted. Like, obviously, yeah. it's easy just to it's easy just to be like, hell yeah, Kelvin Banks is our starting left tackle, and he kind of stonewalled Will Anderson and om- played an almost perfect season as a true freshman at left tackle. But like even the guys behind the, behind him, I think you should be excited about. I think the good thing, like you mentioned, these guys are more longer projectable type guys. And they're one of the first classes that I can remember in the last 10 years or so that isn't going to be called upon to we need at least two of these guys to play early. Yeah, exactly. The entire starting five offensive linemen at the University of Texas returned after a good season. Like, it's not five scrubs returning. It's five really good players. And you've got guys like Devon Campbell, Nato, and Big Cam who are all pushing, you know, entrenched starters. It's the the work that they've done to just completely turn around this position group just deserves so much love, even if at times it feels one note and repetitive. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we love the big humans here. We are you and I are both big humans, so um, absolutely. You know, we get it. Before we go to the defensive side of the ball, let's take a quick break. I'm sure our sponsors have it. You haven't heard from our sponsors in months, so yeah, we've missed them. We've deprived you of that. So let's take a quick break and hear from them. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we are back. Welcome to the second half of the show. Let's talk a little defensive side of the ball. Let's start with the defensive line. To me, arguably the most important area of need in this class. Yeah, absolutely. This is a pretty major cycle for that position group. Yeah, I did a defensive line video with Tommy, uh, Tommy Yarish, uh, a couple like a week or so ago, and you know we talked about, hey, they signed these edge guys and they signed Sadir Mitchell, and I was like, look, I love Sadir Mitchell, but they needed more out of this class than they got. Uh, I felt with the interior D line, especially with the move coming to the SEC. Um, so I think this is going to be a year where you look to to kind of uh, really jump on it and land some guys. I think if you're looking at a candidate, like an, a, your early commitment candidate, it's hard not to go with Alex January from Duncanville, the defensive tackle, who is a Texas Absolutely. legacy, um, played played a really big role for Duncanville's defense and route to a state championship. I think that's the guy you, you have to look at for, for the early commitment. That, that would have been my pick too, Mike. And, you know, with Alex January, like you mentioned, the Texas legacy element, it's also, uh, you know, it's not going to be easy. He's got some big boy offers. Like Alex January is a type of cat that's going to get all of the national blue bloods attention. But as of now, it does seem like Texas is operating from a position of strength. Yeah. I think there's some, a, a couple of other guys they've gotten a good foot in the door with, especially uh, uh, Melvin Hills from Lafayette. Uh, it seems like they're, they're really kind of crushing it with, with some Louisiana defensive linemen. Oh, yeah. um, linebackers and edges this year. Um, Joseph Jonah Ajonye, is that is that good? I yeah, that? I, I think it's a John Ajonye. Ajonye. Uh, basically, anytime I see a, I hadn't ever seen him play, but like I'm like, oh, he's six four, two forty, and he's uh, got a an African name, and he's from Oak Ridge. I just think Joseph Asai. Um, well, well, that's the thing, too, is when I talked with uh, JJA, um, he just straight up was like, yeah, I grew up idolizing Joseph Asai. We're, we're a group of, you know, a co- with a couple other families, there's a group of, you know, Nigerian immigrants in the Oak Ridge area that kind of, you know, band together and, you know, we'll have, I think he said, uh, like, Sunday, uh, all the families will get together, barbecue and stuff. And growing up, it was like Joseph was almost his hero. And I know that when the, you know, incident happened in the AFC championship game, he was publicly, you know, saying like, you know, this is messed up. Like, you know, don't go after my guy. Like there is a lot of, there's a lot of love for Osai from JJA. And I think that that is an element that Texas would be extremely smart to capitalize on. And I know that the Texas offer meant a ton for him, not only because of the football element, but just knowing how smart Joseph is, you know, and seeing the education he got at Texas, I, I do think that plays a pretty major role with his family. Yeah. Other guys, I think you want to keep an eye on Nigel Smith, although I think that one may be trending away from Texas a little bit. I think they, they have some work to do there. Um, but 
Oh, no, I was just going to say my take on Nigel, depending on how long his recruitment lasts, I could almost see a little bit of a boomerang effect because early it was thought that Texas was going to be in that top group. There's been a little bit of a trend away. If he commits over the summer, this is a moot point. But if he does take it to December, I, I would be interested to see if that's somebody where it just makes sense, given some of the connections he has to Texas late on, which we've seen quite a bit with the uh, Texas staff, like willing to wait until uh, it's kind of getting close to decision time and then making a big push and landing out. And it's also worth mentioning again, I probably should have done this at the top of the show. We're talking about this in March. In March of last year, if unfortunately at the time, if you would have said that Colton Vosick would have been in the Texas class, it would have seemed kind of silly just based on the way that was trending and how the early aughts of that recruitment kind of suffered. So there are going to be a lot of twists and turns, but this is just kind of our look at it right now. Yeah. Um, I think that there, there's not one guy that I'm like, okay, they're just crushing it with this guy where they're really standing out. And that's a little bit concerning to me. I go back to two years ago. I think Bo Davis did a really good job in that 22 class, adding defensive line talent, guys like Jure Bledsoe um, and uh, – Oh, I'm blanking again. Um, what's your boy's name from uh, from uh, Mississippi? Aaron Bryant. Aaron Bryant, yes. Uh, guys like that, getting those interior because edge is an issue, and it was kind of um, it was kind of taken care of to an extent this past cycle, getting some edge bodies in there. But finding those big bodies inside, man, that can hold up, and, and you've got to get guys who can replace Keandre Coburn and Tavondre Sweat sure. and, and those big frames to play in the SEC. And mentioning Jure Bledsoe too, Mike, I, I think it is worth mentioning that we do know that Jure is really crushing it at Texas. And when he was recruited, there was a lot of chatter about, okay, how is he going to take to this environment? And Bo Davis does deserve a lot of credit for not only getting Keandre and Moro Ojomo to levels where they are going to be, you know, round two through four level prospects, but also improving the play of Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins, a lot of guys who had a ton of potential that we really saw take steps up. So I I do think that you are, you are definitely right that I wish that there was a little bit no, more noise on the defensive line front, but at the same time, as long as that development is happening on campus, it, it is just, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. Yeah, it does. Um, let's talk about Edge because I think they did a good job last year, but they got to keep going. You got to keep stocking pass rushers. By the way, TJ Lindsay is a guy we're going to talk about in the Edge category, who I think Texas is early on one of the top schools for. He's going to eventually, in my opinion, be an interior down. guy. Yeah. Like, so, do you remember early on in the Dre Blood? So recruitment where it was like, nah, they like him at Edge. And it was like, okay. Sure. Yeah. I told you about Dre when I saw him in December, right? Yes. I, he was at Darian Gallette's signing ceremony. He looks in phenomenal shape, so um, good for him. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Edge. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of different names. You mentioned the Louisiana uh, connection with defensive line. Let's just start in Louisiana with Collage Cobbins. Yeah, Collage Cobbins, I think, is a guy – I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Texas is – really made a good impression. I think it's kind of them. It's kind of LSU. Uh, there's a couple of other schools involved, but most people we talk to expect it to, to be one of those two schools. As of now, I think they've done a phenomenal job with him. And he, 
played a huge role. And Destrehan winning a state championship last year was a monster on that team, kind of playing in a, in a bunch of different positions. Colin Simmons is the big name in state, the, the five-star edge rusher from Duncanville. Um, I think Texas has some work to do there. I really do. Um, I, I, I feel like Colin is dead set on getting out of state. Just And that's just my own insight from talking to him. It's nothing he said to me. But LSU, Georgia, those are two schools that, that really stand out for me. For can, can I uh, workshop a take for you right now? Sure. Does Colin Simmons, not as a player, but the recruitment, almost remind you, with Texas specifically, does it almost remind you of David Hicks a little bit? Of like, there's bit, just going to yeah. be a lot of questions about like, okay, where's Texas at with Simmons? Where's Texas? It does, although I will say Colin Simmons is still talking about visiting Texas this spring, whereas last year Hicks was like, like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, that was. They're not. They're not in the plans. So that plus just every. Yeah, I, yeah. We don't. Uh, yeah. Zeno Mazulu. He doesn't open up a ton, but you got to feel like Texas is in this till the end because of. Just the connection with his brother on campus there. The other thing I'll say for Zena is, and we both, I think, really like the upside there, but didn't have as great of a junior year as we probably expected sure. him to. Um, Want to see him really bounce back this year. Yeah, and on Zena as well, he's been pretty open with me about this, but just during the offseason, you're just not going to see as many trips to Texas as you would a traditional, you know, four-star type in-state guy because – Zena knows at the end of the day he's going to visit Texas two to three times each fall for games for his family to see Neto play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Danny Okoye from Tulsa uh, is definitely a name to know. Logan Thomas from Katie Pato. Dekaius Brinkley, a guy we both really like, the son of former NFL linebacker Jasper Brinkley from the Katy area. Um, those are there's a lot of options, and I think one they just added Noah Carter from Centennial High School in Peoria, Arizona, a guy that PK kind of identified, went after, and you know, and I know, I don't think PK has the resume as like the strongest, you know, recruiter on the staff, but there are guys that I think when he zeroes in on this is yeah. a guy I want, he'll go hard after him, and he connects with those types of guys. Absolutely. Speaking of a kid like that, I definitely would not put him in the, you know, Texas leads category, but they're in a good spot. It's going to be tough to beat Georgia, just speaking frankly on it. But King Joseph Edwards said that he and PK talk every single day. Like that's a guy that PK kind of identified, sees as a potential difference maker. And, you know, Edwards, even though it's kind of an open secret that Georgia leads um, and he's from that state, he also has tripped to Texas multiple times on his own dime. So I do think that eventually they will get an official visit. Let's go to the linebacker position. Uh, Jeff Choke got the best grades last year for filling in his position group and filling it in with some quality talent. By the way, you want to talk about a guy that has a ton of his guys on campus already um, with Anthony Hill, with Darian Gallette, with um, Leonga Lethal. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's, those guys are already on campus. I was actually talking to somebody today who mentioned, you know, for as much good as you hear about Anthony Hill, and it's all there, it's all true, Leon Lee Fowles right there with him as far as his work in, in offseason so far. So, feel good about that. Feels like we're the champions of Leona in, in this market. So, um, I, I love hearing that. I, this is going to be a small linebacker class because they signed so many last year. And as we'll get to here in a second, 
guy, the boys are talking already about how many they signed uh, yeah. last year. Um, I think it, it, it kind of starts with the, the in-state group of like Justin Williams and Peyton Pierce and uh, Ty Anthony Smith. Those are the guys they like at inside linebacker in the state. Um, Peyton Pierce, who I just saw, he's a guy that I think notices how many they took. Um, I, I reported on the site this week that I think he's got a more Midwest flavor to his his game. I, I do think A&M's in it. I think Oklahoma's in it to an extent, but I do think it, this could go Ohio State, Notre Dame, somewhere up there. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And, you know, just riffing off of that, Ty Anthony Smith was somebody that I wrote about all fall. Hey, Texas did, has done a really good job here. They're really set up, but the only potential wrinkle, at least in my opinion, was Alabama hopping into the mix because he was kind of blown away at the Nick Saban camp last year. They told him what they needed to see for him to get an offer. And sure enough, uh, at the start of February, Ty Anthony Smith posts that he has an Alabama offer and is going to be visiting this weekend. What, the reception from that this upcoming visit weekend, I think, is going to be major. Right now, I do think that Alabama and Texas, with Texas A&M maybe in a separate tier and third, are kind of up there. But, I mean, a Alabama-Texas battle for a kid out of Jasper just kind of, even if you haven't watched this tape, just kind of shows the level of prospect. I feel like um, this is probably a dumb question because I'm like 99.9% sure it is, but I don't want to get scolded by you. We can comfortably call Jasper Southeast Texas, right? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So I feel like just anecdotally, the battles between Texas and Bama for Southeast Texas kids, uh, they don't have a great record going Texas way. The, the two I think of are Tony Brown and um, I forget Deontay. his name. Deontay, yeah, the, the safety from West Orange Stark. Those are the two names that jump out to me. The good thing is a lot of those battles, it felt like Texas was – Definitely operating from a place of weakness when it came to the on-field product, the overall recruiting strategy. At least now, Texas has the, I mean, nearly cussed, but, uh, you know, earmuff warrant. Texas has their shit in order. Like, Texas is in a spot to where they were first on Ty Anthony, which does play. It's an in-state element, which matters to some extent, I do believe. But at the end of the day, it is tough just battling against the, you know, built by Bama brand, knowing that if you take care of your stuff there, you're probably going to be an NFL draft pick. I think this is going to be one of the more interesting recruitments, but it's just another opportunity for uh, Jeff Choate to stunt on some people at the same time. So, Yeah, and I think Justin Williams, like early on, we heard a lot of Oregon with Justin Williams, and I think Oregon is still very, very much in the picture, don't get me wrong, but I think this is a recruitment Texas can absolutely win. They've done a good job. Justin Williams, uh, one of my favorite threads of covering recruiting this year is like, so Jeff Choate, he sends all of his recruits the books that his uh, linebackers are reading. Like Peyton Pierce mentioned it to me, like, oh, yeah, you know, I take notes on it. We talk about it on the phone, that kind of stuff, which I think adds like a personal element to the relationship. Um, but Justin Williams gave me just one of the great quotes of all time. Like he'd, he'd be making me read. Uh, which which I know what he's saying, but it just sounds like Chose like calling him every night. Like, did you read did you read the chapters? Did you do your homework? Um this is a guy that I think is kind of in that Jelani McDonald mold, except he's Ooh, yeah. probably better put together from yeah. weight weight wise. 
right now. And he's a guy I saw two years ago at seven on seven, and he was just walking around wearing a Texas hat, had no offers. And I was like, who is that kid? And I mean, he jumps out immediately off the page. I think he and Ty Anthony Smith, especially with, with things slipping maybe a little bit with Peyton Pierce, those are the guys you'll see him dial in on. A, a couple of out-of-state names, uh, two from California. Dylan Williams from Long Beach Poly is a guy that has long talked about visiting. Um, I think that's one to keep an eye on. And then Kingston Viliamu Asa from St. John Bosco. You know, I just – I can't discount the way they recruit the West Coast and recruit sure. those schools out there. Anything Absolutely. else you want to add on linebacker, Hudson? No, I think that's it. And just reiterating that, hey, if they get their guys, don't be surprised if it's a two-person class uh, group at this. Yeah, two, two, one or two. And I think if they get one and they're not really sold even on a number two guy – than, yeah, like if they land one of Ty Anthony Smith or Justin Williams and they're potentially having to reach for a second take, I could absolutely see them just, you know, deciding to make that be the uh, class. Can we also just say, because one of the top players in the country is a linebacker, I'm assuming at some point the question is going to come up. I think Jeff Choate would love any opportunity he could to get Sammy Brown on campus but it's yeah. just probably not going to happen. So let's put that to right now. Yeah. Um, let's move to corner. The corner position, I think, is another one that, like, I want to see you stack some talent this year. They, I thought they did a good job in 22. They got guys who contributed early, Jalen Gilbo, Terrence Brooks. Um, but this it's, is – And getting Malik Muhammad in 23 was at least yes. like, okay, we have a true dude at corner. He's been crushing workouts. So that adds a little bit of room for error. But like you said, it, I mean, premium position, you got to stack bodies. That was a position, again, like defensive line, the numbers left a little to be desired for me, although they they kind of they mitigated it a little bit by getting a guy like Warren Roberson late who could play corner or safety. Oh, yeah. Getting Gavin Holmes in the portal. You know, they mitigated a little bit. But I want to see you stack some true game-changing corners. And they've got a chance. I think Texas, the state of Texas, has two of the best in the country. It Kobe Black and Selman Bridges, both Central Texas kids. Um, it, it should also be mentioned, I guess now's a good time to talk about it. They just lost a commitment from a cornerback in Jaden Allen. Um, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Not ex- Let's say that we just weren't shocked at that development. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't something that blew us away. I think for them right now, Kobe Black, Selman Bridges, those are the top two guys on the corner board, at least from the in-state position. Um, and, and, you know, it's easy to see why when you look at both from the way they're built. Yeah. I mean, all that we've heard about is how much they love long corners, especially with Malik Muhammad. Selman Bridges is – I mean, I remember texting you at the Red Oak Lake Belton game just being like – or maybe it was a group just being like, Selman Bridges is moving like a corner at 6'4", hanging with Warren Roberson, who is as dynamic as they get at the high school level at wide receiver. Selman is – Selman has stacked a good junior year of tape with – on the 7-on-7 seven seven ter- circuit just absolutely – doing whatever he wants and looking like a true stud. I do think that USC and Alabama are two schools and LSU as well. Those are three schools that are in really good spots, but he also loves Texas and the fact that, you know, Sark is FaceTiming him in the morning being like, Hey, you're one of our guys that we're going to make sure that we get. And while he is teammates with Micah Hudson, I would caution people to the lazy, you know, oh, they're going to squat up in college. I don't think that's necessarily the case. And, you know, Mike, 
Kobe Black's kind of one of your guys, and I think they're in a fantastic spot for him, and they've got a lot of his boys on campus and Jelani McDonald, Trey Wisner. I think he's pretty close with a couple other guys on campus just through visits. So early returns with those two specifically, I do think are about as good as you could hope for. Yeah, I got to see Bridges in Vegas uh, at 7-on-7, and he's just – like I call him, he's a pterodactyl to me. That's what he looks like. He's just all arms, legs, but like I was watching, there was a, a college coach was at the at the thing, and usually they're not allowed to be, but he had one of his kids was playing in the tournament, so he could he was allowed to be there. And I was watching along with him, and he was just remarking about the way Bridges changes direction suddenly for a guy of his size, because usually you worry about those guys who are so tall being able to turn and, and twist and yep. lever. And and he was just astounded by how quickly he could explode change change direction and go yeah it's a rare thing where it's almost better that Selman Bridges is so skinny and hasn't just added a lot of unnecessary bulk because he just is so fluid with his movements and I do think you know I kind of mentioned it with the Jaden Allen decommitment and that we weren't surprised I mean when you look at what they want at corner Jaden Allen just kind of doesn't fit what they want you you're looking Looking at guys like Selman Bridges and Kobe Black, who are their top two targets in state, Selman Bridges is six four and moves like crazy. And Kobe Black, at I think six foot one, maybe six foot one and a half, is can kind of do it all. Yeah, and I I think I would also add that um, you know we talked a lot about when he committed the fact that um, the Hunter Modern was going to play receiver. Yeah. But everything we've been hearing as of recently is that it's defensive back. It's defensive back. So I think you could also pencil him in kind of on that side if they're able to, uh, you know, if he sticks with with that commitment. Um, let's. I, I, I do think with, this is a position we're going to see a lot of movement in the spring, a lot of new offers, a lot of figuring out where to go. Because if you look at their corner board now, it's like it's not deep. You know, it's they haven't really identified those second and third options. So I do think we're going to see those guys start to come up in uh, the spring. Let's move to safety. The safety position, again, I think that this is this is an area where they mitigated some things, getting getting Derek uh, Williams last year, getting Jalen Catalan in the transfer portal. Um, I push comes to shove. Warren Roberson's probably a safety if I've got to pick one of the two. For sure. Um, so, I mean, they've got some numbers there, but again, you're in a position here where you've got a chance to add some, some big time dudes. One of those big time dudes is Jordan Johnson rebel from IMG Academy, uh, formerly a Fort Worth brewer. So a, a local kid who went off to IMG Academy, I think they're in a really strong spot with him. And a big reason why I found this interesting because I've heard a couple of people mention it now. Janae Barron is becoming a recruiting pitch for Texas. Absolutely. Yeah. Because And I think we almost talked about it on the phone once, but Jade just also plays with, like, he plays with, like, swagger. People watch Jade Barron play, and it's kind of easy to see why recruits gravitate towards that. I think he, of the defensive of defensive back offers, I would be pretty confident, like, 60% of those guys are posting a photo of Jade Barron. Yeah, um, and in – especially these guys that they're selling on nickel. Remember there was a day where like, if you tried to sell a kid on nickel, 
so offended. And now they watch Shadeh Barron and what he does in that defense playing that position. They're like, yeah, I want to do that. So um, I I think Rebell, that's one for him that's that's way up there. Corey Gibson from Lancaster is another one that I think that that they're in a good spot for. Canadian Dotson is a guy. Uh, David Cabongo from Byron Nelson. If you're asking me for maybe an early commit candidate this spring, I could see David Cabongo possibly being that guy. Yeah, because with David Cabongo, it's just going to come down to, you know, maybe the athletic markers aren't there, but they just love the way that he camped. They love his tape, and it's easy to see why. Just as a pure football player, I think he answers a lot of questions that you might be able to get over the fact that he's, you know, not out here running, you know, 10 eights in the 100 meters. So might be one of those ones where – it would benefit him to commit early and lock up a spot, whether he does that or not. Obviously that's kind of forecasting a little bit too far in the future. Yeah. Miles Davis, another in-state kid to watch from Converse Jetson as well. And, you know, they've never been shy about recruiting out of state. They were in it at the very end for Peyton Woodyard. Looked like they were going to get him. And then, you know, Georgia won out at the end. I don't think they're going to drop out of that uh, recruitment. They'll keep pushing there. Um, I think we'll we'll see some, some, some names as we go. Um, and there, as we, talked about, as we talked about earlier in the show, sometimes. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, our animals will do some interrupting. I, you know what? There's guys, because we use the offer page as a great guideline to run a segment like this, and so we miss some guys at positions because they're listed as athletes. So let's just run through that athlete category real real quickly. And, I mean, the first name that just pops up to me on the athlete category, a name near and dear to this show, I think if we had a studio, it would be the Terry Bussey Studios. Um, talk to us about Terry Bussey, Hudson. Yeah, it's a it's it's been a long journey for me kind of breaking into the industry and begging both the companies that I've worked for, like, hey, let's just get Terry Bussey ranked, please. I promise you'll thank me later. Um, Went out and saw him pretty recently. The Texas offer meant a ton. He was glowing about it. The fact that Steve Sarkeesian showed up in the helicopter, he said that basically, 
you know, it's a big deal when you're at a school like Timson and a, a career program that hovers around the 500 range and you get them into three straight state semifinals. Like you're kind of, you're known as the guy, but for some, not for some reason, but it was just a little bit of a different element having the head coach at the University of Texas on campus showing up in a chopper. The entire school was basically greeting him, Terry said. And, you know, that type of love after Texas was maybe a bit slow to offer, I think was a pretty major deal. And they're going to get a visit before official visit season. And I do think that they're eventually going to get an OV. Uh, But something to keep in mind with Terry is he was just pretty frank with me about, hey, I'm just kind of focusing on high school right now. I love what we're doing in the state basketball playoffs. We really want to get a ring. I rarely, (laughs) I think his exact quote was, I rarely think about recruiting, to be honest. He's going to wait until, he's going to wait until December is a more succinct way to say that. Can we please get this guy a ring? Like, yeah, he's been so close, right? Like, um, I don't know how they did in basketball last year. But obviously, uh, since he's yeah. been in, in football, they've been to, what, three straight semifinals? Yep, three straight state semifinals. And he was the first uh, – I think the only junior other than Kyler Murray to win Dave Campbell's Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year based on, you know, the production that he has at Timson. Just you can't say enough good things about him as a player. And now it's just going to be a true heavyweight battle with the, you know – Texas, Texas A&M, and Alabama of the world. As soon as Texas offered, I think Alabama offered about three days later. And after, you know, talking with Terry, I do think that the Crimson Tide are ramping up their pursuit level. A couple other names on this athlete list. Brian Jackson from McKinney wrote some stuff about him this week. I think that was trending toward USC. Um, it's really going to be interesting to see where Brian pans out because I think he is a bigger back right now who's going to enter college and people are going to have questions about his eventual position. Um, all right, I think that's it for the athlete side. Hudson, let me ask you one more thing. We're not going to go over any specific names for this, but first year Texas was here, they they signed a long snapper and a kicker. Um, last year they went after a punter. What would you put if I set the over under on specialists at one and a half this year? What would you go? I'd go under on one and a half, but over on 0. 0.5, 0. just 5, because yeah. I just imagine that they're gonna grab somebody. Like it's it's clearly something that as a roster construction, you know, staff, they've decided we want to continue to add whoever we think are the best specialist in the nation. That's what I think too. I think a punter is probably the guy they'll look for. I mean, they it makes sense because they graduated one. They probably graduate transfer. They're going to need to go find a guy who can really you know boot it and come in and, and, and punt immediately. So I will say probably not the worst idea to continuously just add the best grad transfer that you can think of from the portal. Yeah, I think it's just a, I think the fear though is man, what if it's just a year where there isn't. A guy For like sure. something weird happens, and just that guy's not there, and then all of a sudden we're. But you know, I mean, last time they didn't have really have a punter. They had Danny Trejo, who ended up just after, fine. after a couple of bad punts, kind of rebounded fairly well. But again, I know that that's something that they invest a lot of time and resources in finding. So they're going to want to get their guys. Um, Mike, I know we finished this exercise. Before we get out of here, you want to kind of do a mini preview on the visitor weekend. Yeah, there is going to be a big visit weekend coming up. Um, 
the Texas is hosting. It's basically there's a seven on seven tournament in Houston. And when that happens, there are a bunch of guys that come through on visits. Usually what they do is they'll hit all the area schools. So you'll see them hit Texas, probably Texas A&M, probably Houston, Rice, if they can get an opportunity. Like they'll, they'll go by and see as many as they can. And um, there's there's a big group from California coming in uh, this weekend. There's some, some names on that list. Um, Jason Mitchell is a kid from St. John Bosco who I saw when he was playing at uh, Junipero Serra with Malik Murphy and really liked when he was a sophomore. Um, so he, he's a guy that's coming in and I think uh, could be a potential offer candidate. Uh, they I, are I think all- Terrence Moore is one that I'm pretty intrigued by out of Tampa Catholic. I know that yeah, the uh, same Choice, has actually, Choice has actually been assisting um, on that recruitment and he doesn't have an offer yet, but that's one that I'm watching pretty closely Uh maybe for offer watch because he already does have, I think Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, Georgia, like this is a guy that has offers a little bit better than his ranking might indicate. And it's six, four, one ninety with his level level of uh, athleticism. I do think that could be an interesting wrinkle um, into our previous wide receiver discussion. Yeah. Um, there's also a, Hey, there's a six foot four, 340 pound offensive lineman coming in. So anytime you got big foil on campus like that, He's on offer watch for me, um, Peter Longy uh, from the San Francisco area. The other guy that I think keep an eye on is Noah McHale, uh, a linebacker from the uh, from California, from Laverne, California, at uh, Bonita High School. A guy that um, I met last spring, but I think Texas is uh, that's a school that I feel could get into the race with a kid like that. Um, and he's rated a five-star on the composite in 2025. We've got him as a four-star, um, but top 20 in the country. I think that's a guy they could get in the race with and be a factor in. So that's another guy. For sure. Um, a couple in-state guys coming in. Uh, Quan L. X. Farrakhan Jr. from uh, the Woodlands and Keandre Baker from or Barker from the Woodlands, the, their running back. With, Who I think the, just transferred from Arkansas, right? Yes. Yeah, he played played in Arkansas before that. Um, we've, we've talked about Quanell quite a bit, I think on this podcast, we've, we've known sure. about him for years. It feels like, um, God, I can't believe he's a, he's still a 25. Like he's still got two years left. Yeah, exactly. We've been talking about him for like 10 years. Um, that's a big play receiver. They haven't offered yet. I would be interested to see, but then 2026 Liberty Island athlete, Daquan Prevo, who to me, looks like an early candidate to be the number one player in the 26th class. Saw him last spring, and he looks phenomenal. Th- those guys will all be on campus as well. So should be a good weekend. It sounds like um, they may have close to 100 kids coming through. Absolutely. So there are going to be some guys that you'll see on Twitter pop up that maybe we're think- maybe we weren't um, thinking of making it in. But, again, like you said, with that seven-on-seven dynamic, it's just going to be really intriguing. Yeah, so should be a good one. We'll follow up on anything notable out of there um, and maybe talk about it uh, following week. But um, I don't think it, it's this isn't like a junior day or anything where you should expect sure. just dominating coverage all day. I mean, it's the guys are going to come in for two hours. You can get a tour of the campus and, and a walk through. They'll take some pictures and there will probably be a couple of new offers thrown out. So for sure, that's what's important. All right, uh, Hudson, anything else you wanted to add before we get out of here? No, nothing else. Just again, apologies for Athena seeing a squirrel or something outside and losing it. Well, that means she just she just wants to go on a walk, Dad. Yeah, exactly. 
She's like, why aren't you taking me on a walk now? So, um, by the way, uh, I did the show successfully while watching the star, while having the stars game on TV and not being too distracted. They went down like two to nothing, like quickly into the into the thing, and I just turned it off. And then now I'm looking two to two, so I guess I just can't watch games. Until I was about to say, just for the rest of the night, just <laughs> anyway. focus on other stuff. Yeah, so uh, we will focus on other stuff. I got a fun article that uh, it'll probably actually be out before this podcast is out. So I guess it, it does me no good to talk about it now. Um, all right, we appreciate everybody for listening. We appreciate that anytime we miss time, there's people who are like, hey. What's the deal with the podcast? That means you miss it. And uh, oh, yeah. And you want to hear from it. So uh, glad we can get back. It's my apologies. It's been my personal stuff. 2020, this is 2023, right? 2023 has been the year of personal issues for Mike so far. So uh, it's it's been largely me as the roadblock to you not hearing this podcast every week. So uh, my apologies there. We'll have some, some, more context to that type of stuff in the next few weeks. But um, for Hudson, for, we appreciate everybody. For Hudson Standish, I'm Mike Roach. We will talk to you guys next week. fantasy warriors i'm heath cummings your guide to fantasy dominance on fft dynasty join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy if if i was adam with the team that he's built will levis makes so much more sense and that's not all we're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 nfl draft prospect profiles uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status Pukunukua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.